0: Welcome to DevOps and Docker Talk, and I'm your host, Brett Fisher. In this episode, I'm going to talk about Dockerfile latest features, which you may not realize that is a thing. And I recently wrote a newsletter around this on my site, brett.news, and thought it would be useful for you podcast listeners to hear about all this new stuff that's been happening since 2018. Please enjoy this update on Dockerfile front ends. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably know what the Dockerfile is. (laughs) That's something that we've had for over a decade now, and it's an enigma of a file a little bit. It doesn't really follow any other format. And as we enter 2024, there's still a lot of people that use Dockerfiles every day that don't realize the Dockerfile has versions, and it's been changing over the years. So let's step back a minute and talk about how the Dockerfile has been changing and what you should do about it. So the spoiler here is that if you're still a Dockerfile fan from 2013 to 2018, when you did a Docker build that was using the original builder. And now we maybe should call that the classic builder or the legacy builder. And since 2018, Docker has shipped Docker engine with BuildKit, and they demoed it. I remember actually in 2017, we were seeing demos of it at DockerCon and it was still an experimental idea, but was way more advanced than the original builder that came with Docker Engine. BuildKit is a separate utility. It has its own repo, and you can use it separately, though most of us don't. And if you go looking around the internet at all the other ways you can build Docker images that avoid using the Docker Engine, maybe because they want to build on Kubernetes, or maybe because they want to build without root, which you can technically now do with BuildKit, but There's other tools out there that sort of solve unique problems that you might have with using Docker Engine. But a lot of those use BuildKit in the background, unbeknownst to a lot of us, and a lot of those still use the Docker file to define the recipe for how your Docker image is made. If we back up to when BuildKit was launched, one of their early ideas was something called the front end. And since it was experimental, I didn't really jump on board right away and it didn't have a ton of features that gave you more than the traditional Docker build. So if we go back pre-build kit, we all kind of know the definition of a Docker file. We got copy commands, we have the from command that's always at the top, we have entry point, we have the command command, we have ports, we have environment variables, ENVs and args and labels, and there's maybe a dozen to 20 different commands in there that everyone's known since the dawn of Docker. But since 2018, with the idea of this build kit being separate yet included with the Docker install and the front end parser, which I'll get to in a minute, we have actually had versions to these front ends that keep adding new features and expanding on existing features to solve problems we've either always had or new problems that are coming along as we all Dockerize the entire world. Suffice to say, if you're not starting your Docker files with the line, hashtag syntax equals docker slash dockerfile colon one. And I know that is hard to imagine in a audio format, but if you're not putting that as the first line in your Docker file, you should start. And my newsletter article that came out in the last couple of months was basically my declaration that I'm doing that. And that from now on, I expect that every Docker file I make or teach should have that front line in the beginning of my Docker file. What that line does is that tells BuildKit that I want to use the latest front end or version of the Dockerfile parser so that I get all the features of Dockerfiles in their latest feature set of BuildKit. And this is one of the cool parts that we had a problem with way back in the day. So if you jump back, let's say 2016 to 2020 timeframe, where everybody's adopting Docker, you might add something new to your Dockerfile. Maybe you add in the copy command you put in dash dash chown, which allowed you to change the permissions in real time as you're copying files into your docker file this is essential if you're going to run as non-root inside of your container so we all got that new option in the copy command and we started adding it and sometimes your builder would fail and say i don't know what that is it's weird and that had to do with oh you didn't have the latest version of docker engine so then If your servers or your CI solutions didn't have Docker engine up to date, then you'd have to put in a support ticket or a Jira ticket and something to get those servers. If you didn't control them, you'd have to get those updated. And now you're waiting, right? Maybe days, maybe weeks to get approval. And that just sucked. So you essentially had a problem of building things locally that worked and then building them on servers and they fail, which is the entire thing we are trying to solve with Docker. So. Docker frontends was meant to solve that, but only if you are adding the frontend syntax line as the first line in your Dockerfile. So assuming you're doing that, BuildKit will go and find the latest Dockerfile frontend, which it gets from Docker Hub, and pull that down to parse your Dockerfile. This happens all in real time, and it doesn't matter the version of your Docker engine anymore, just as long as you're using BuildKit, which has been around for five years, since 2018, yay, you're golden. Now, once you've done that, what are you going to get? Well, some of us have been using a lot of these features that have shown up in the Docker file over the years. If you go to the documentation on Docker's website, whenever you look at the Docker file specification, it's always the latest front-end features. You may not realize that some of those aren't going to work with a four-year-old version of Docker unless you specify that front-end line at the very top of your Docker file. And some of these front-end features are relatively well-known and we've had them for a while, but there's a lot of other things in there, including run dash dash mount, which is a eh, decently popular one. The dash dash mount allows us to mount in dynamically at build time, SSH keys, caches, secrets, and other things that we want available in our Docker image during the build, but we don't want them actually stored in the image for security reasons. So that run dash dash mount was very useful. And every once in a while, I see people coming through my courses or asking on the internet in general problems around, well, I added in this dash dash mount or the dash dash chown in various commands and they didn't work like the documentation says they would. And that's because they're running an older version of Docker and they're not specifying that syntax line to make sure that BuildKit builder is downloading the latest front end. Otherwise, what happens in BuildKit if you don't have that line is it will use the front end that was shipped when it was shipped on whatever version of BuildKit on that server that you're running it on or maybe your local machine. So if you don't specify that line, you're essentially shrugging and saying, well, I hope my BuildKit version is the newest or latest version for that particular feature and you can't be certain that it's going to work so i always recommend having it there's really no downside to not having it unless you're someone who's a habit of using non-build kit builders and before we get to some of my favorite features in all of this let's just talk about standards and this idea of the front ends so We have the OCI and we all talk about OCI images, OCI runtimes, OCI registries. Those are the three different specifications and projects underneath the OCI, which stands for Open Container Initiative. And it's been around since 2015 as a governing body of many different companies in the industry to just ensure that all of our tooling builds a compatible image stores it in a compatible registry and runs it in a compatible runtime. But what you'll notice there is there is no standard for the build tool itself, which means BuildKit as the most popular builder is a de facto standard in a way, and the Dockerfile is a de facto standard in a way, but any other tools out there can have their own Dockerfile standard or not even need a Dockerfile because they use some other way to describe how to build an image. And this is where it gets a little tricky because a lot of these other tools out there that aren't officially BuildKit based, they might be using a version of BuildKit or not even use BuildKit at all, which means that if they accept a Docker file, it is actually random which features in that Docker file they will support. I personally find that very frustrating and I feel like all the tools out there should specify which front end version they officially support. Because we all probably can trust that the from, the entry point, the command, the copy, and the add will work. But will the run command with a dash dash mounting of a secret work? Who knows? It really depends on your tool if you're not using BuildKit. So the point there is that the OCI doesn't control any of that. It only cares about the output of these build tools, not how the build tools work or the actual file definition for whatever file that you ingest into your build tool. Okay, so now that we've cleared that up, because that can be a point of confusion, assuming you're using BuildKit, because I think it's the not only most popular, but the best and most feature-rich builder for all Docker image types and OCI image types across every language and framework, let's talk quickly about some of the features that you get over the years of the versions of these Dockerfile frontends. So assuming that you've been using this all along, there's dozens of features that have been added, but I've pulled out four in particular that I think you're either using or probably could use. And a lot of the other ones are a little bit of edge cases, which is why they're not well known. But I'll just say that in frontend version 1.2, which was years ago, but 1.2, The run dash dash mount was there for injecting secrets, SSH keys, caches into your build environment dynamically. That was a really popular one. Then a year or two later when version 1.4 came out, the here docs support for the long run commands. If you've ever had to chain a bunch of commands like apt update, apt install, apt remove, like we all have these in Debian based images at some point in our career and that ends up with these really long run commands chained together with double ampersands. And there is now an alternative format for how that looks to make it cleaner and easier to read. And that's known as HereDocs. It's actually spelled H E R E D O C S. And if you are aware of HereDocs, you may be a fan. And so that supports just in there if you use the latest version of the Dockerfile front end. But the rest of us, we would have to probably learn the HereDocs format in order to replace those long run commands it's not really hard to understand. It's just something you'd have to go do and decide whether you actually like here docs format versus the traditional bash based command, ampersand, ampersand, command, et cetera. And then in, in that same version 1.4 of the front end, that's when we got the copy dash dash link option and the add dash dash link option. And the link is an interesting one because at first, I thought I liked it, then I couldn't figure out how to use it and not sure when I would use it. And then I started thinking of use cases for why it would be necessary. So this dash, dash link option is good for injecting or rebasing image builds without breaking the cache of the downstream Docker file commands. It's a bit of a niche feature and I've only really used it myself a couple times, but once you understand its advantages, it may significantly speed up some specific builds where you often need to inject a new external dependency early in the Dockerfile lines, like way up at the beginning of the Dockerfile. And you want to change those steps without affecting the rest of the build or what we call breaking cache. And sometimes this happens. Maybe it's a root certificate that you need in there before you install private packages, or maybe it's some JPEGs or images inside of a web server app that don't really change that often and they don't need to be rendered in any way and they just are a large amount of stuff that's copied early on, way before you actually do a bunch of other work in the Docker file. These are all use cases where you don't want to break the build and make them slower for everyone all the time and you just need to slide a file in that's not going to change the result of the rest of the layers after it's injected. So if you use this dash dash link, and you were to change that line, but nothing else in the Docker file, when you did a new build, it wouldn't break cache. It would go and run that line again and add or copy in whatever files you needed, and then basically do nothing else. In fact, it doesn't even need the entire Docker image locally, and it will only push that one layer back up to the registry. So it's extremely efficient. It's just kind of unique in the reasons you would use it. I would describe this feature as more of a sideload some files into a new image without rebuilding the whole thing. And then finally, another example is in the recent 1.6 release of the front end, we got the ability to use the add command for Git URLs without needing the Git CLI in your image, which I love that (laughs) because if there's one thing over the years that the add command has really helped me with is whenever I need to download a zip file or a tarball that I need to automatically unpack into an image, or if I need to clone a Git repo inside that image, and a good example of that is maybe when I'm using Drupal or WordPress and I need to download a theme, I don't control the theme, I don't need to build the theme, I just need to clone that repo down into the location that my website expects, and it just needs to be whatever that version is I'm specifying. But then I have to go and pre-install the Git command line and then ideally remove Git and all of its other dependencies before I have the production image. So that's another pain and probably a different stage in the Docker file. And that's what the latest features in this add command update fix is it just includes Git essentially in the BuildKit tooling and will use Git in the background without it ever needing to be permanently in your image. So I hope this has been a useful eye-opening explanation of how you just throw this one line in the top of your docker files and you can always be sure that at least for the version one of these front ends you'll have all the latest features available regardless of how old your docker engine or build kit are i hope you set that as a standard in your docker files and that you start exploring some of the new ideas for making your docker files more efficient and faster to build Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.